Hello, and welcome to the media ministry of Living Word Church in Roberts, Illinois. Today, Pastor Douglas Lee shares truth from the Word of God that will inspire and motivate you. We pray that as you listen to this message, your ears will be open to hear and your heart to receive all that God has for you. Join us now as we journey together through God's Word. Well, today's officially Wooly Sweater Day. You didn't know, it's just because it's cold outside, so... I want to thank those that lended to our comfort today. There have been people working to, to get furnaces uh, working better. We have straight line west wind. It messes with our building, and it's really because all the furnaces are going to have to be updated in the next year or two, and we waited on purpose till the building was paid off, but the time has come. They're old, but, you know, uh, old things, if you give them a little more attention, they still work. I, I've learned that in my own, my own life. So they got extra attention today due to the help of a, a number of folks that were here early to make that happen. So uh, if you didn't get the woolly sweater memo, whenever it gets close to zero, I recommend it. Just break them out and put them on. But today I, I want to bring you another installment that is helping us move toward... Uh, Receiving vision from the Lord. You know, a lot of times people enter into the, the, the new year making resolutions based on a vision that they have in their mind. And today is the official day, the 19th of January, that most people have forsaken their New Year's resolution. And uh, I've heard that a number of years. It, it used to be actually the 21st, and they've rolled it back a couple days here recently because people give up easily when a resolution depends entirely on their own strength and ability. So many times people share a resolution with somebody they love that also loves them, thinking that person is going to make all the difference. But that's still a resolution. We can do one better in finding the promise of God and instead of just making a resolution, we just say, I agree with that promise. I believe God's going to help me achieve some level of that promise. And we go in with, with a heart that depends on Him, not just on ourselves. That's the goodness and grace of God is He knows we need something more than what we have on our own. That's one of the reasons coming to church is important. You get encouraged by brothers and sisters, but they don't make all the difference. It's God that makes the difference. Why, well, he's the eternal one. He's the one that never, never runs out, never runs dry, has more than enough. Nobody else can do that for you or me. He's the one. So today as I share, I, I want to share from a story in Deuteronomy that is familiar to you about Israel. And Israel had camped out in a wilderness place. And the point we joined them in the story, they, they'd been there more than 39 years. They were going into the 40th year. They went into the wilderness in, in, in I believe, a seven different places. The last two names where they went were very significant. Because they meant some things. One word meant they had settled. So they got kind of comfortable in the wilderness that was never God's place for them in the first place. And if you're a Christian, you'll always feel a little bit that way. You'll feel like you want to settle and fit in with the rest of the world around you. But you won't quite ever settle and fit in because we're really not of this world. But Israel found a place that was called wilderness, and it actually was at a mountain. And we think of mountains in Scripture as something that we are supposed to speak to to move out of our way. They didn't speak to the mountain or uh, get it to move out of their way. They had to get up and move away from it. So I call today breaking camp because most people settle. Most people get comfortable in what was meant to be a temporary situation. You should always, if you're progressing with the Lord, have moments where you feel unsettled when you know what God has promised and you see where you're living or what has been achieved so far. You should feel somewhat dissatisfied in yourself and your own ability because God intends to flood your heart with His will, with His ability for you to be able to break out of that camp, break out of that wilderness, break out of that place that you've settled in. There was yet another name, the seventh name of the place where they were. They were, they were camping between settled in and enough provision. 
It's amazing. I've watched Christians my whole walk love teaching on prosperity because they need it or want it. Get a hold of that. Get a hold of giving. Get a hold of worship. Get a hold of prayer a little bit. Get a hold of fellowship. Get a hold of a lot of right things. But the underlying motivation is God is more than enough and I need some of his enough. That's not entirely wrong. But if we camp out based on God's provision, he'll change it on us. Say, what? God won't withhold any good thing from them who walk uprightly. Uprightly means we pay attention to him. Means we remain sensitive to him. So it's interesting when God called them away from settled and away from enough provision, he told them they would now go into the promised land, but they were leaving those two things. I would expect, in fact, I I know it was the word of the Lord to me, that the body of Christ has camped out far too long and begun to settle back in a place of somewhat having some, some comfort. It seems like when we, we become comfortable, particularly financially, in our meeting goals or we decide it's good enough or life is good enough or everything seems all right, we tend to dial back our sensitivity to God, our willingness to hear his voice tell us to change or to do something differently. Today I want you to dial in to the idea that we're to break camp in order to advance, to enter into the promise of what's next. We never in this life stop doing that as believers because this world is always going to have a wilderness element about it. Whenever we stop being sensitive to what the Lord wants, we'll begin to settle. We'll begin to think we have enough. Now, the day they broke camp, bread falling from heaven stopped. You would think it would accelerate. You would think the very moment a person decides, I'm not going to settle in this wilderness and I'm going to break camp and I'm going to advance that suddenly even more would rain from heaven. Maybe now gold coins would come down with the manna, you know, make it all better. And that isn't what happened. The manna ceased from that moment. God has a way of wanting us, teaching us to depend on him and to embrace change. Whenever we embrace change, I've watched Christians again. It's my, my role in life to watch Christians and listen to the Lord. And try to marry the two. What Christians are doing and what the Lord's saying will help us. Whenever it seems like we break apart from something that's been holding us back. And God changes the way he wants to provide for us. It has to do with moving forward. As they move forward into the promised land, there was provision waiting for them there. So many times we make a misstep here and we think that's the natural well if I don't get a job in this town I'll go to another town and get a job that isn't what he's talking about he's talking about learning to hear from heaven to receive what's next on the inside to hear God's word and say I'm going to change this part of my life I'm going to glorify God this way then what he does on the inside can begin to manifest in our our outward life or what the job needs to be or whatever's, whatever's coming next. So many times we try to address the natural, get the job, move to a new town, get a different house, buy another car, whatever it is, and we are taking care of an outward need without addressing an inward condition. God always comes in and goes down first. And when he comes in and goes down, he's going down to the root cause of anything that needs to shift and change in our heart and in our life. Then he brings us up. Then he takes us out and we move forward. I want you to always remember that. If you try to come up and go out without God doing the inward work, you'll fall flat on your face. And many Christians that have done that blame God when in reality he warns us to be led by the Holy Spirit first. He doesn't lead us first to come up and go out. He leads us first to listen into what he's doing and coming in and going down. He wants to deal with what is in the way. What is the root cause? What is the wrong attitude? 
What is the lack of information, the lack of knowledge that we have? What is the, the thing that blocks our sensitivity to God? What is it that we've put off for a long time? I also listen to Christians who, who love God's message of grace, and it's a good message. But people tend to, to major on that one because they're using it as a cloak to not let God come in and go down. Because there's something down in there God wants to deal with. So I want to encourage you, as much as the grace of God is for us, so too and first shall be the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Where he, I don't know if you've ever had a moment in prayer where you have a little flash of uh, something God is dealing with you about. You think, I'm going to pray first. I'm going to finish my praying. Then we'll talk about that. As soon as you finish praying, you forget about talking about that because you're uncomfortable talking about that. That's because we don't know his loving nature. He's letting us know there's something he wants to fix on the inside so what's going on on the outside can be answered. Sometimes we pray a prayer for outward situations to change with our family or with our finances or with our health or in in, in relationships of any kind. And we are speaking to the end that we want, but we're not letting God reveal the root that is in the way. When we allow him to come in and go down, it's uncomfortable. If you're feeling somewhat uncomfortable going into this year, that's the work of God. That's actually the beginning of the grace of God at work. His grace comes to fulfill in you what it is God wants to do down on the inside. And when we allow him to do that, the answers we are asking for come to the outside. God will never leave your heart behind to give you the desires that are in your heart. He will bring your heart along to give you the desires of your heart. Now, what I've just said will be one of the most important things for you to remember going into this year. It's as prophetic as anything that I've ever said, and it marks this year. If you will allow the Spirit of God to come in and go down to work on the deepest part of your life, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water that will come up and flow out. And you'll be refreshed and everybody around you will be refreshed and you'll make a difference of bringing new life into old situations because there's always a carrier of the God kind of life and he always moves through people. We begin today in Deuteronomy 1 beginning in verse 6 through verse 8. The Lord our God said to us, he's speaking of Israel at Horeb, you've stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance. And go into the hill country of the Amorites. He's telling them, go right into the enemy's camp. See, I have given you this land. He's telling them, understand God's vision. He's given them a land and now they have to respond to his vision. Go in and take it. Three things. Break camp. Break something that's been holding you back. I I haven't broken a lot of bones, but I know I broke both shoulders when I was young. The first one in football as a freshman in high school when I hit somebody and I didn't have pads on. I hit them hard enough to take them down, but it broke my shoulder. I just knew it hurt like the devil for a long time. I learned I broke it many years later because there's a little hump on that shoulder now where the bone mended, but it didn't mend just right. It's kind of gnarly looking. When you break something, you'll know it. We can't help but feel the dealings of God when we're breaking something. I'm not saying that he's break. He won't break you. He won't break camp for you. You decide to break camp. Now, that doesn't mean you'll have a broken bone. It just means you will feel a separation. You will feel a change. You will be conscious. This took some doing. This took determination. Now, he told them to break camp and then advance. They couldn't just break camp and stand back, say, well, I've committed it all to the Lord. I I see people do that a lot, where they've prayed a little bit and they expect God to move their mountain. No, they had to advance. The mountain didn't move. They had to move around it. I've learned if I don't have faith to move a mountain, I don't give up. I move. I move me. Say, God, what is it I need to do? Why? Some people sit back and they'll wait a whole lifetime for the mountain to move. And and I I wish them the best. 
But I've learned if I can't move the mountain, if I walk hard enough, fast enough, and long enough, I will get around the mountain. Sometimes we have to break camp with where we have been instead of blaming God for not moving the mountain. We've got to get up and move ourselves. That'll be a theme for this year. That if we want something from the Lord, we need to look at what's in the way and break camp from it. Move out of that place. Remember, they settled and things were okay financially. They thought they were doing good. But God spoke and said, let's go. Why? They'd, they'd gone 11 days. I want to tell you something about the, the, the meanings in this story. The numbers mean something. They'd marched 11 days. Then they camped out 40 years. All that they needed to do is advance one more day. And they'd have been in the promised land. It's a 12-day journey. But it took them 40 years and 12 days. 11 is the, the number of imperfection in the scripture. The number of, of contrariness, the number of the flesh holding us back, the, the number of ignorance, the number of incompletion, the number of just not going the extra mile, the one more day in the journey. Number 12 is the number of divine order and divine government. Our God's a God of order. So there are things he requires that Sometimes people shy away from teaching today because there's, there's a popular gospel that Jesus did it all so you have to do nothing. But when I find in the scripture, God declares what he has done and then he shares with us what we should do. We're in a covenant. The covenant is, is that we both give into the covenant Jesus already gave. Now we give our life back. They gave their life back for 11 days. Then they held on to where they had settled. It was reasonably good. There was water. There was comfort. Their shoes didn't wear out. There was no, no sick among them. They appeared to be blessed. So they kicked back and said, God's taking care of us. Then he told them to advance, to get up and go. And as soon as they did, it looked like he quit taking care of them. Why? They had to learn how to really trust him again. See, if we get too comfortable in this world... And we think, this is the life I want. This is the lifestyle I want. I've worked so hard for this. Watch out, you'll backslide. Backsliding doesn't always look like going backward. It's just settling and not moving forward. Now, you're the one to judge that. You're the one to decide. Say, Holy Spirit, help me know. Now, that contrariness I'm talking about results in disorder, disorganization, and eventually disintegration. That's from Bollinger's work on numbers in the scripture. And he was a genius and I'm not, but I'm quoting him. Makes me sound intelligent. He's the intelligent one. But I read things like that and say, wow. And I look at where that happened in the scripture. 11 was not where you wanted to stop. You wanted to go the full 12. You wanted to go the extra bit. Now, 12 then is the order of uh, the, the number of divine order and divine protection divine provision, divine, finding it God's way. See, if things are going good for you on the job, in the family, and you're in perfect health, that doesn't mean God's blessed you. But daily, if you're walking, and something comes against your body, and he tells you what to do about it, and your body's restored, your health is restored, he's with you. If he tells you to give and you, you give and you wonder where the next loaf of bread's going to come from and 10 loaves of bread come in, rejoice, he's with you. If you experience in your family some kind of setback, instead of stopping there or settling there or complaining there, see Israel settled as they complained, settled as they murmured, even when things seemed to be better than they had it in Egypt. God didn't bring you out of this world for you to settle. He brought you to stir up wanting God's best and entering into the promise. All they had to do is take a day's journey. Now, one more day of advancing. So many times people just give up too easily. And not always is it... Uh, spiritual indications people give up just too easy in general now i want to talk about the things that, that 
prevent us so we can break the pattern. See, if we break the pattern, we'll break camp. If we don't, camp will break us. When people settle and they they get to looking at natural things and provision, they start stepping backward from the plan of God because he's always moving us forward. It seems like the wise people think this way. God's always asking for the next best thing from you because he knows it'll keep you moving in the right direction. And that's true. Now, we have to break camp first with things that have been. In, in my life right now, I, I'm examining things because I get the word of the Lord and I begin to immediately say, all right, Holy Spirit, just do a work in me. And many of the things that I bring to teach you are, are, are being taught. There's revelation in it because I've been in process. So when I say he comes in to go down, he likes to go down in there and uproot some things that are wrong thinking. Some memories from the past that say, well, I learned my lesson back there and I will never do that again. Be careful what you say never about. Why? Because he'll deal with you pretty soon that he wants you to do something like that again and you won't unless you let him come in and go down. Or you'll say, okay, I'm going to try to do that and you'll try to do it in your own strength. And you're trying to get something to come up and come out that hasn't been finished in you yet. And it'll come out ugly when that happens. Ever gone to somebody and you, you, you wanted to, to get forgiveness? So you said, here I am in my dust cloth and ashes and I, I'm, I'm asking your forgiveness. And God hadn't done the work in you yet. And you wonder why the person responded to you ugly and you wanted to blame them. See, we, we, we don't look to the other person's response if God's done the work. We just do what he told us to do and we go on about our business. That's the difference in letting him come in before we ask him to do something outwardly. So we break camp with what was. A whole new way of thinking has to come in to do that. They had to pack up, think about it. They lived in tents, but they were there 40 years. I bet they did some real modification to tents. I bet their life didn't seem like a tent life at all at that point. So much so that a whole generation died and didn't take the next day's journey. I don't want to be among that number. Now, the second thing they had to do was take some steps. I'm going to talk about some steps today. They had to advance. They had to do something that could be measurable progress. They knew that it was supposed to take 12 days and there was only a day left, but progress involved dealing with cities and giants and issues and things that were in the land besides the good. They had to deal with the issues. The giants were out there and for 39 years they didn't want to go forward, but they had to and they had to deal with the giants in the path. They had to go right to the land of the Amorites. Now, then we, we fully follow God's plan to take hold of it. And I want to talk about it. You can't know what that is without hearing God's word again and again and again. As I teach you God's word from the scripture, you'll hear his word in your heart for what to do. That's how the Holy Spirit does it. He'll use the, 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 the silliness of a preacher to put a word out there under an unction and anointing from God because that's how he does things. And when it hits your heart just right, you're going to go, oh, why didn't I think of that? It's because God's revealing it in our spirit, not in our head first. Now, breaking camp is uncomfortable and disconcerting. I'm going to make three big points today that I'll have three sub points. We have to break camp first from wrong thinking. Some of the wrong thinking is when we start saying things like, well, God is just always going to be patient with me. He's patient, he's kind, he's love, but he can also be fed up. See, really? Why? I know by sometimes how he comes in to go down and work on me. He was just waiting for me to give him the opportunity. And boom, he's in there doing something like, oh, and it's jolting. Why? That's who he is. He's immediate. He's a quick responder. He's an absolute, absolutely in love with us. Now, we have to break camp with wrong thinking. What is it? Just wrong attitudes. When they settled, and my, my guess is that they started building foundations to build a city by now. Why, that's the nature of people. When we, we start to get established, we want to be comfortable. 
We want to build a, a, a habitation around where we've settled. He was, he, he, they, weren't where, they weren't where God wanted them yet. Now, we have to break camp from some habits that are holding us back. I'm hitting these quick so that the Holy Spirit can speak. But habits that hold us back can be most anything. Habits that hold a lot of people back be sleeping in on Sunday. Why, he's talking first about spiritual things. You don't get the natural good from God without giving him your heart and the spirit first. Letting him go in and go down. See, people come to church sometimes and they think, oh, I'm going to try all of these things. Uh, Good luck for the trying. Without letting God come in and do a work of relationship with you, you can try and fail. Why? He wants the relationship more than he wants to satisfy you. The relationship satisfies him. See, we've got a, we've got an, a, a view of God in this generation that God lives to satisfy us. He's already done that in Christ Jesus. Now, we're supposed to live to satisfy him or we're not in a true covenant. We're in a, a fake false relationship that will bear no fruit. It can't because it requires an interaction with him. So we break camp from those habits. What, what does that mean? Well, it, it means we, we choose to change our ways. I go to a gym and it says on the wall, choose to change. And I thought, that, that's wonderful, but that's not all it takes. Because I see people choosing to change in January and they choose to unchange in March. <laughs> Why? They're sick of it. They're, they're sick of what it takes to change. I thought, God, you come right in the middle of when we do make the choice to obey you. And you give us your power and anointing and that's called grace. You give us the ability, but grace comes because we choose to mature in him and be more like him. That's when grace comes, not to give us an excuse to not change. Now, we also have to break camp from forfeiting God's promise by being satisfied in a wilderness. The wilderness started looking pretty good to them because they were comfortable. They had plenty of water and manna was falling from the sky. Sometimes... Your comfort and your provision will cause you to forfeit the true will of God. Why? It's the oldest trick in the book. That's what I'm sharing with you today. So what are we meant to do? Keep ourselves uncomfortable by saying, God, I want to do more for you. It's great to have more than enough. But for most people, it's where they stop growing in God. Why? We're in a generation that's been overly taught God wants to do all of this for you without going the next mile and saying, since he's already done all this for us in Christ Jesus, we're to let him be Lord of our life and give our life back to him. The power of God really comes when we give our life back to him. That's when things begin to change. That's when we are able to break camp. That's when we're able to make the changes that need to be made. So first, breaking camp's uncomfortable. It's disconcerting. It it, it, it can upset you. Don't think today you'll leave and not have to deal with some, some upsetting thoughts. If you allow yourself to hear the will of God, there will be moments you think, man, that again? I got to think about that again? I've got to pack up all of this stuff, that again? Whatever it is. Now, to move forward, number two, we have to break from the past. As much as the past has happy Thoughts in it, happy memories. Again, I listen to people and people do a lot of similar things, whether they're Christian or lost folks. They'll look back to the happiest days of their past and focus on that, thinking it's going to bring them into a good future. It'll do nothing but handicap you and keep you from going forward. Because of the past, what level of God you had working in your life in the past is less than what he has for tomorrow. He has more for tomorrow. Now, this is... uh, This is uh, how we break camp from the wrong thinking and the habits and forfeiting the promise is we have to let him begin to speak to us about the future. This is moving forward in 2 Corinthians 5.17, a really familiar verse. Uh, I don't know, it's one that I've probably taught more sermons on as, as a text of anything that I've ever used. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus... What does it mean to be in Christ Jesus? It doesn't mean you're saved. Being saved means he's in you. That means you're going to go to heaven because he's in you. 
Being in Christ Jesus means you are in him. What that means in the scripture, first, is you're in church. Second, you're looking to his scripture for your direction. You're listening to, we'll call it the brain of God, the knowledge of God, the wisdom of God before you make decisions because you are in him. You are consulting his mind. That's why the scripture says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We're supposed to allow him to invade our our thought life by invitation. He doesn't come in and do some weird spooky thing. He speaks to you when you listen to his word. And his word gets into your mind and you begin to meditate on that. You begin to think, well, there's the answer. There's a clue to the answer at least. We begin to move forward. To be in Christ Jesus means that we are doing our part of the relationship, not just sailing through life because Jesus did his part. Many Christians today get, get, get trapped in the culture of the world, but they want the results of the kingdom. The culture of the kingdom is required to have the kingdom benefits. It means we're not just having Jesus in us, but we place ourselves in him every day. We do that by reminding him we're in covenant. Reminding ourselves that we're in covenant. Saying, God, this is what your word says about my physical health. By Jesus' stripes, I've already been healed. Body, I'm reminding you. I'm in Christ Jesus. And he's risen from the dead. So anything trying to take me out has to yield the resurrection power. Say, really? Yeah, really? What what do we do? We begin to think about that. What happens? The power of God's released. Because we're speaking those things that be not as though they were. See, it's not hypocritical to talk to God about your need, especially when you talk to him that way. Your word says you've already met my need. You have a physical need in your body. Jesus is your healer. He's already done that. But we choose to receive it by faith, by saying it out of our mouth. And that changes how we think, and it will change our behavior. He might tell you to do something differently, like just don't eat too much pizza or whatever. Say, really? Yeah, the Holy Spirit's very practical in his wisdom he'll tell us what we really need and it it will challenge us but then encourage us at the same time now I talked about uh, manna stopping from heaven just as soon as they started to come out of that wilderness and move forward many times when you choose to break camp you're going to have an experience like that where you just think it's supposed to get easier immediately But instead, your trust in him must grow. See, he's after that. That's a picture of lordship. The word lord in New Testament means master and controller. That sounds kind of scary if you don't know who you're giving lordship to. I wouldn't just sign up for that because somebody was in charge or the boss at work or a master and controller. That means I'm just going to yield to whatever he says. Well, you want to know that boss. And that's, that's we, we get to know him by being in him rather than just him being in us. Finding out what are my promises? What did he promise me if I walk together with him? Now, his new, what God has always presents change to you. You won't come into God's new for you without him first changing you. That's what I mean by he comes in and he goes down. Before he can manifest up and out through you. Before he can promote, he will abase. That's a scriptural word. That means he'll go in there and he'll deal with what's not right. He does that at a heart level. He does that with individuals. He doesn't do that because somebody prays it for you. It's because you pray it for you. Now, I ask you to consider what might be stopping you. From breaking camp. Because without breaking camp. We don't enter in. I heard the spirit of the Lord speak to me. Back in September. That if people don't allow him. To do a work. They can't progress. From one degree of glory to the next. Well that's what he's talking about today. We we can't have promotion. Without making the grade with God. What does that mean? It's not a performance based grade. It's a heart condition grade. He's done all the work. 
He just wants us to learn the lesson from his work and then let grace, let his grace and favor begin to work in us so that it can come up and out. I'm talking about a process more than anything else. You might have to break camp with culture that you've adopted from the world. Many times Christians in their media communication are as aggravating or trashy as the world. I'd change that. That's not meant to be how the body of Christ is seen. Sometimes we think we need to fit in so God can use us. He uses misfits. He doesn't use the people that fit in. I can tell you right now. Why? You'll never be comfortable with the culture of the world so long as God's going to use you. You might try to fit in, you might want to fit in, but you just won't be able to quite pull it off. Sometimes people say, think, oh, that's a spirit of rejection. No, that's the Holy Spirit at work. We're not meant to fit in. We're meant to fit in with the Lord Jesus. If there's anything in the culture that has a hold on you that you can't do without, you might want to say, Holy Spirit, come in. Go down in me and do a work. Help me be free of that. Why? Because people don't get the promise when they're stuck in the culture of the wilderness. They can't go forward. What was holding people to the wilderness? They got used to it. They settled in it. There was provision in it, and they decided they liked it. It was certainly better than Egypt, better than going to hell. Your life in Christ, if all you've got is initial salvation, is better than what you had in the world. Because you know you're going to end up in heaven. But that whole generation that wouldn't soften their hearts died in that wilderness. And the next generation emerged and went into the promised land. We want to recognize we are, we are in a, what the Bible calls a critical time. There's Kronos time, which is our calendar and the clock. And there's Kairos time, which is God's timetable. God's timetable is running things right now. Why? I believe Jesus is, is going to return. I believe that he's dealing with the hearts and minds of people everywhere to come to him or come back to him. The earlier we make a decision to let him have our whole heart, better off we'll be. Now, secondly, we might have to break camp from compromised commitment. When they all got in the wilderness in the beginning, they were all gunning to go forward. They didn't put cement down in the bottom of their tents. They didn't compromise because they got comfortable for a while. But when life became routine, they went out and collected manna every day and they recognized the only day it would hold over was Saturday into Sunday or Friday into Saturday, depending on the Sabbath. They knew they'd have to go out and gather bread every day. They knew it would fall from heaven every day and it became a routine. When we get established in a routine, we lose our thankfulness. We lose our God focus. If things get just a little too comfortable, and you, weren't they sick of bread? It said they got sick of bread and they asked for meat and he gave them quail and the quail turned rotten if they didn't eat them fast enough. And they got sick of quail and the thought of quail would gag them. Why? They were meant to walk with God every day and see what he had in mind. As soon as they took a step over into the promised land, they found there's grapes and there's all kind of goodies growing there we've been doing without. Who are we to stay in the wilderness? How foolish we've been. If you've ever experienced the, the goodness of God and coming out of a wilderness into promise, you always think, why did it take me so long to make this decision? What was it that held me back? Culture typically is the thing that holds us back because culture is something we participate in and you'll become a part of something, whether it's kingdom culture or the world's culture. But I would ask the, the Lord, what is it you want to come in me and uproot? What is it that's got in there? Sometimes it's something that started out in innocence, but it turned into destruction. Now, we have to break camp with one final thing, and for me it's one of the most pertinent to church folks. We have to break camp with our lack of knowledge and choose to not be satisfied with our ignorance anymore. Asking God the right questions this lack of knowledge, Scripture says in Isaiah, that God's people are only destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. 
That's because we're, we're ignorant to something God's promised us. I would like to say, even in the natural, people don't get the career they want because they won't go get the knowledge. I used to have people always gunning for my job when I was a corporate man. And I didn't get all the knowledge the conventional way. I had, I had some schooling and some education. But the education I got didn't really fit the corporate atmosphere I was in. I had to get it another way, a harder way. And the harder way involved starting at the bottom of the ladder and working every job in the company, inventing those jobs as I went. But it also involved questioning my boss and every brilliant person in the industry that I could possibly tap into. And reading and studying at night, night after night, week after week, month after month. Working numbers so that my dyslexic brain would learn how to work numbers the right way and not twist them around like my brain would. Because I wasn't really set up to succeed in what I went out to do. I was ignorant. I couldn't go back and suddenly reset the clock and get six years of college that I really needed for that job in business. I needed to have an EMBA, they told me. So I struck out to learn everything that I could on my own and then go take the test later. You have to, even in the natural, be willing to break ignorance with knowledge if you want to progress. But spiritually speaking, there's a, a work that God does that breaks our ignorance with his word. When people say they're going to do fine on their own, they don't have to be in church or hear the word, they will never achieve God's best that way. Because he says, uh, when we miss out, what does God do? He provides every Sabbath a word that is his word in due season. I believe that or I wouldn't do this. I've seen over and over when people come for private counsel, it's because they missed something that was taught or they'd have had their answer. There's no greater aggravation for a pastor than that when you just preached on something and they weren't there. And that week they say, Pastor, I'm in a crisis. And I usually listen a little bit and say, where were you on Sunday? I didn't see you in there. We talked about this. Why don't you listen to what I said and then we'll talk? What? Yeah. Why? They missed the Holy Spirit's opportunity. Now, why do I say that? Because I've seen it happen countless hundreds of times where the very thing we need for whatever reason, there might be a seemingly valid reason. There might be that it was so cold your car wouldn't start. Well, call somebody, you know. If my car wouldn't start, on a Sunday, am I going to stay home? See what happens at church? Well, I'll hear about it later. I believe I'll just rest and pray in the Spirit right now, Lord. Let everything... That'd be kind of stupid, wouldn't it? But see, we're all equally just as important in the plan of God for the day. So we learn to not let anything get in the way. Whenever we compromise our commitment, we'll begin to miss God's best for the future. We'll not want to break camp, and we'll get more comfortable in the camp. When I ask folks, well, you, you've, been, you've been out of church for a while. What happened to you? Well, I, I just got used to not being there. That first Sunday, you know, this happened to me. That next Sunday, this happened to me. That third Sunday, it just seemed like every Sunday something happened. I say, mm, yeah. As soon as you let the devil take advantage of you once, you're going to come back around just like a clock. Let's hit him again. Let's, you tired of ugly Saturdays? Have a wonderful Sunday. It'll make a difference come the next Saturday. Your guard will be up. Say, hey, we're not getting in a mess today. We're not getting in a fight today. So I've learned something else about people. Saturday, you're the furthest from the Sabbath you're supposed to be any given week. It'll be the day you're most likely to give to the flesh, break commitments, and feel ugly. But it's supposed to be the day. It's supposed to be the family day. And, the, well, people typically get into it that family day. Why? They've held it back all week till they can finally get together. That's kind of what happens in church. People hold it back. Sometimes they just think, oh, it's just easier to not go. I'm not feeling it today anyway. That's why you go, because you're not feeling it. That's why you're supposed to be there. That's, that's what's supposed to happen. Well, I was hoping for a little bit of laughter there. I don't get much laughter sometimes in sermons like this, but it's, it's not meant to be laughter first. Breaking camp from lack of knowledge. If you're tired of being sick, break your ignorance there. There's natural things to do, and there's spiritual things to do. What do I mean? There's, there's things you can do to take better care of your body, of what's left of it and what still works. There's things you can do to make it work better. That's why we go to doctors. Well, this isn't right. I don't feel good. Well, you had to have good to begin with to not be feeling it now. God can turn back the clock and help you with that if you listen. He'll tell you what to eat and what to not eat. I'm a living example of that again and again. 
What will he do? Change the way you think about you next. Well, he goes in and begins to do a work. And you have a body that will respond to the right discipline. You have a mind that can be trained. You train that mind how to think right. It helps the body respond right. But when you feed your spirit the word of God, you get God's help. I don't just want my body and my mind to work. I want my spirit on the inside to be charged up with the plan of God and the goodness of God and the word of God. Then when my body and my mind get tired, there's still God who rests not. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. He's ready to take over whenever I decide I've done everything I could do. How much better to just let him be a partner of the whole process? Now, the Holy Spirit stands ready to set us straight. This is a season of getting straightened out. It's a good season. Why? If our trajectory's off a little bit, let the Holy Spirit do some work. I'll share this very quickly, John 14, 17, describing the person and, and the work of the Holy Spirit. The world cannot receive the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, because they don't know him. But you know him. He dwells with you. And he shall be in you. And this was before in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit came to rest upon and inhabit within people. Jesus was talking here. Now, the Holy Spirit will help you advance in the truth of kingdom culture. We talked about breaking camp, but then we have to advance. What do you advance into? Kingdom culture. I remember how I learned kingdom culture at 11 years old. My dad stood up one Sunday in the kitchen, and he said, we are church people. We are a church family. The week before that, nobody would have said that. We had not been a church family. We had been a good family who occasionally showed up at church. And the boys sat rigid like this and were told to not make a sound or they'd get a wallop when they got home. And we always got a wallop. Because we just couldn't pull it off. Well, we were not a church family. We were a family that occasionally went to church. We had to learn kingdom culture. And even in the Methodist church, we learned that. We learned how to listen. We learned how to be respectful. We learned that the scripture was important, even though we didn't know why. We learned there was a Jesus, even though we didn't exactly understand the whole picture of what he did for us. We learned that he provided salvation and we needed to pay attention. We also learned that there was a way to behave that, that was right. And there was a way to behave. We learned a lot of stuff. It was kingdom culture. Even there, even then, even as kids. You want to have kingdom culture. The Holy Spirit will teach you. what You're, you're to stand apart and be a peculiar people. Or to be different than everybody else in the room. I had somebody say to me this week, and it, it surprised me, caught me off guard a little bit, but then I responded moments later. Whenever you come into this place, there's a calm that comes immediately. I said, oh, thank you very much. And I turned and went, took about five steps, and I turned back the five steps. I said, do you understand why? Not really. There was my opportunity. See, kingdom culture is something people recognize, and they like what it gives them. And when they like what it's giving them through your life, you invite them to have some of their own. And what, what do you do in that situation? I turned to that person and I said, whenever I encounter you, you're an encourager. What they are. The very point that they point out to me, I bring a call, means they're, they're going to share something good they see in every person. Why? They're highly motivational. So what did I do? By the, by the time I left that day, I thought, when I walk through there, I'm going to say how good this person is at motivating others and that God blesses their work because of it. When I said that to that person, they threw their shoulders back and said, I needed to hear that today. Sometimes I think I'm just full of hot air. Advancing in truth is, is kingdom culture. When you embrace it, it's God doing work on the inside. We tell kids to respect their elders in church. That's kingdom culture. Why do we do that? We, we teach kids to respect and obey and honor their parents. Why? Scripture says they'll live long. I want them to have that promise. Why, why, why do we do some of the things we do? It's kingdom culture. And this is a place we teach it. So that it goes home with kids. So it goes home with, it, with everybody. Now. 
Second, we want to do is advance in the truth of life being ordered by Scripture. God hasn't ordered everything. Back there when I said they, they, they settled at number 11, they were in disorder and it turned into disintegration. When we put natural things before spiritual things, when we put our provision and our comfort before God's will and God's word, we get in trouble and life is out of order. Says that he's first no matter what. So dealing with some Christians this week. And so we don't know why the devil just keeps messing with us and we're just in trouble all the time. Do you have any wisdom? I said, yes. <laughs> You're out of order. <laughs> the devil gets in because something's out of order in our life. Scripture says we have to give him a place. He has no place until we get out of God's order. Well, what should we do? I said, number one, you need to be in church. That's the, that's the basic number one. You're saved, but you're not in Christ. He's in you, but you're not in Christ, or you'd be in church. That ought to be preached from a megaphone, but whoever did get a lot of tomatoes thrown at them if they're in a mixed audience. I could say it easily in church. I, you, I didn't see any tomatoes or rocks or anything coming. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, I get to speak truth. I appreciate you so much that I can. But so many times people will get out of order and then they want God to fix everything that they messed all up and they want it to happen tomorrow. I don't know about you, but, you know, I have, I have not enough closet space. And, you know, we have an ha old house and it has closets, but they weren't very big in the old days, even if people had quite a bit of money to build the house. They just didn't have a lot of clothes. So when you go into the closet, there's just not room. I have my, my spring-summer clothes, and I got my fall-winter clothes. I've got to swap them out and throw some of them in, a, in tubbies. Anybody else have tubbies? You just you know, throw, throw stuff in those tubbies and put it away. You switch it out. If I don't keep order in the closet, I'm going to be a mess. If I don't a couple times a year purge those closets... I didn't wear this this year, didn't wear this this year, didn't wear this this year. No wonder I didn't wear this this year. When was this from? And I start, well, see, there, there, there's something that we're supposed to do like that with God to be in right order. And when things aren't flowing, it's because we got out of order. God's not out of order. He has divine order. So when life isn't flowing like it should, we got to change something about order. Where he's first in everything. I don't know. You know, sometimes people think that's just easy. That is not easy. That is not easy to keep him first in everything. It's the constant communication in your home. It's a constant praying, saying, Lord, show me if there's anything that needs to be different in my life. Let me adjust. Keep me tender before you. So divine order. I talk about that three or four Sundays in a row, but I won't. Then we have to advance in truth according to the, the full knowledge, the fuller knowledge of God. You ever quit loving God's word? You quit advancing. Why? It's the seed for the kingdom to grow. You're the good ground. Every time you hear the word and the sower is sowing the word into you, it'll bring a harvest if you receive it. If we receive it on stony ground, well, it might not do much. Or if it gets in thorny ground, it might not do much. If you didn't let the Holy Spirit come in and go down to throw the rocks out and pull the thistles out, you'll have lesser of a harvest, but you'll still have a harvest because it's the Word of God and you are the good ground. I would never give up no matter where you are in the process. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says, Now to him, the Lord Jesus, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church. The church will be better off if you let God do what he wants to do in you. The church is only limited when individuals limit God in their own heart. When we give him all of our life, everything changes. Everything shifts. We sing that song, everything changes. It changes because we give something more to Jesus. And then he gives us in exchange. He gives us the more valuable thing. He gives us the better thing. For our, our trash, he gives us something good. To him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations. You want your kids more blessed than you? You just never stop. You just keep rolling and going. I have one determination. When I'm old, whenever I decide that I'm really, really old, I want to be the most valuable to God I've ever been. Have the most wisdom for my family I've ever had. 
have, have the best thing going in life that I've ever had going in life. And for people to say, look, it, it paid off. Well, I like that witness. That's who Jesus is. The older, the better. The longer you stick with it, the more you've got to show. He says those that, that are hasty to get rich will die trying. Did you know scripture says that about the people of God? So you have to step back and say, Lord, I want to be hasty after you. And you'll take care of the rich. You'll take care of the rest. Now, forever and ever he says amen. Now that means we enter in according to God's power that's at work in us. His power can't work in us except we hear his word. So I want to add value to what we do as a church. The greatest thing I can do for you, and many of the people that attend church here, is teach you what we know about the scriptures. The smartest thing you can do is say, I want to learn from that. Because we just share what we see in the scripture and try to relate it back to life. Then you apply it to your life and watch, you'll start advancing. You'll start advancing, advancing in a way that life becomes balanced. Life becomes ordered. Things begin to come together. Instead of just taking on more and more and more, you see God moving you more strategically and more and more comes out of your steps as you're advancing forward. Why? Well, you keep him first and you keep his word before your eyes is what the scripture said. They used to wear these little things and the, the Orthodox Jews, still, certain sects still do this. They've got this little thing they call a frontlet and it's got a Bible verse in it for the day and it bangs against their forehead every time they take a step. How annoying. I would never want to do that. But what it's a picture of is keeping God's word before us that we're ever reminded every step we take to advance with him and not advance without him. That's a picture we want to hang on to this year. If you will, stand to your feet. I want to pray this morning. We're going to open the altar because if you need to break camp or want to break camp with something and you just recognize that I will not ask a single person what that is, nor do I care to know. But there's an anointing. There's something in, in the touch today that God's going to touch you to break the power of whatever that is that's had a stronghold. Particularly, there's, there's things that have come in culturally. There's wilderness that's gotten too familiar. There's stings and hurt from the past in some cases. They're holding people away from people. If people have hurt you, it was because the devil was in it. Don't get upset with people. We're supposed to love people unconditionally. That's tough to do without God's help, but we're supposed to do it. So today I'm going to pray a, a blessing over the whole house. But if somehow you feel compelled on the inside to be a part of the altar time, I want you to come. As soon as I say amen in the blessing prayer, come and we'll lay hands on you rather quickly. Why? There, there's an anointing to help you break out of the familiar, break out of the camp that you've been in. And then you can, you can expect to draw on God for whatever's next. Heavenly Father, thank you. For a church that loves you, Father, a church that is hot after you, a church that desires you, Father, I thank you that every person that's come today is, is here intentionally, whether they fought the elements or whatever they had to do to get here, Father, whatever, whatever it took, they're here. Father, I ask because of that you bring a blessing from heaven. Father, I know it's not like manna falling anymore. But as we take a step, we'll find your provision. As we advance, you'll find your provision for what's next. As we say, yes, Lord, we'll find your provision for what we just said yes for. Father, as we choose to take it step by step, we'll not look on the horizon for opportunity. We'll look to your heart for the next step. And step by step, we'll enter into a greater place of promise. Father, I thank you. This will be a year of advancing your kingdom. This will be a year of advancing in your kingdom. This will be a year of breaking camp with the past and entering into promise. Father, this will be changing from contrariness of number 11 to the full blessing and promise of number 12. Father, this will be a year like another where, where we enter into what seems like a jubilee with you, our relationship with you becoming the most precious thing we have. Now, Father, I speak over the rest of this year in this congregation that they walk in obedience to you and they enjoy the fullness of covenant and your blessing. I ask that from the oldest to the youngest and the babes yet to come this year, that you bring blessing, that you make our way more easy as we listen and obey you. Step by step, we'll say, well, that wasn't as hard as I thought. I know God is with me. Father, thank you. It is a year that your spirit is with us, not just living in us, but with us coming upon us to see the victory. Father, I thank you that it's done in Jesus' name. Amen. 
We pray that today you are challenged to move closer to God and encouraged with the depth of His love for you. If you would like to know more or hear additional messages, please call us at 217-395-2231. You can also write to us at Living Word Church, P.O. Box 158, Roberts, Illinois, 60962. Or visit our website at go2lwc.org. And as always, we would love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace.